controlled dominance. That is the what Eddie Johnson said on the broadcast tonight about how the Suns played in the second half against the Philadelphia 76ers on an afternoon affair on NBA TV and Fox Sports Arizona. That's the feed that I'm watching because I love to hear Uncle Eddie tell us everything that we need to know about the Suns squad. I might be one of the ones in the minority who, uh, like Eddie Johnson. Hell, I love Eddie Johnson. I know another guy who loves Eddie Johnson, and that is Matthew. Matthew, what a game. What a, as Eddie said on the broadcast, <laughs> controlled dominance by this yes. team in a win over yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Suns win, baby. Welcome to the West, 76ers. You know, <laughs> they beat the Blaz- the Blazers two games ago, and I was kind of nervous. I'm like, hopefully they have that win. So then when they come into Phoenix, they're more relaxed. But it doesn't matter because the Suns handled them. This is the West Coast. Um, it's definitely a different ball game out here especially playing the Suns on this game. And I was going to ask right away, I'm like, how many times has Devin Booker hit a half-court shot against the uh, 76ers? I feel like once a game, right? It's he always like when lives they, for that when, shot. He does. When they take the lead and he takes over, he'll end it with that almost every game, I swear. Uh, there has to be a stat out there, right? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be like a distance from three-point line. You know, 17 feet behind the, the three-point line is where Devin Booker likes to hit his three-pointers when he's playing against Ben Simmons. Just yeah. to show him like, hey, this is what Kendall Jenner likes now, okay, Big Ben? She likes the guys who can hit the three ball, okay? Yeah. How do you, how do you like that, Ben? <laughs> That's number one reason she moved on. That was it. And Valentine's Day is coming up, so, dude, you know, perfect timing, right? Chicks dig the three ball. And I think they that's do. what Ben Simmons learned today as he's walking away. He's probably like, damn it, dude. I, I had my shot and I blew it. <laughs> Anyways, welcome as always to all the jamsters who are joining us for the Suns Jam Session podcast. We go live after every game. So we thank you if you're joining us live during this affair as we celebrate another Suns victory, their fifth in a row against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, a great stretch of games for this team right now. They're playing as, as a unit. They're playing well in all facets of the game. So definitely a lot of different things that we're going to talk about on this iteration of this podcast. Make sure that if you are watching that you subscribe, rate, and review. If you're in the chat live, hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell so you know when we go live after games. If you are listening on the Brightside Podcast Network, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're getting your podcasts, whether it is on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get those pods, we're going to be there along with fan the flames both of us on the bright side podcast network make sure you follow the show at suns jam on instagram twitter and tiktok you can follow me on instagram at darth voida you can follow matthew on twitter i'm matthew let's see and without further ado i think it's time that we crack open a beer and we celebrate this amazing uh but expected win right matthew yeah we we both called this one it, we did, and we have, we're going to keep calling them too. Uh, but today's Saturday. I got my Saturday coffee, you know, to Ooh. get me going, get me through the day. Got some chores to do after this, so let's have some fun, dude. Let's have some fun, Jamsters. Spicy. All right, pop them if you got them, and uh, let's talk about these Phoenix Suns, baby. The Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night played the number two team in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, and won by a point. 
So on Saturday, they played the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that's 18 and 8 coming into the game, the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and albeit coming off a loss against the Portland Trailblazers. And the Suns beat them by nine. And truthfully, though it was tied 53 to 53 at halftime, it didn't really feel close in the second half. Uh, Matthew, you know, I got to know. How how afraid were you that Embiid was about to go off when they had that timeout in the fourth quarter and he just he made eight straight points? Oh, I was scared, but then you have to realize like they only can go through Embiid, which is an MVP candidate. Not a whole lot to support him really. So if he can take care of that, which I feel like Saric and Crowder really did a hell of a job, especially when Da was out of the game. I just think it was obtainable for the Suns to get past the part where you have to worry about Embiid shooting scoring whatever defensively too as well but they managed it man they actually put a lot of effort on that end to make sure that they can control them in a way that keeps them out of foul trouble too um i wasn't too scared though too because i know you wrote the write-up today mm-hmm. for the suns you know just the review for the game and like how how quickly did you put suns win like what at what point did you in the fourth quarter put this is a suns win yeah, it's always tough. Uh, you know, one thing that both Matthew and I do is we write for brightsideofthesun.com. So if you get a chance, go there. You can check out our content there pertaining to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, but we have to write recaps and previews and stuff for specific games that we uh, picked earlier in the season. I got this one. Actually, I traded you, Matthew, because I actually had Monday's game and we traded because I was out of town and I didn't feel like doing it. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. as you're writing this, these write-ups, uh, you don't want to put Suns win too quick. I think mm-hmm. I had the Detroit game earlier in the season and we were up by like 20. I was like, oh, this is going to be a nice, easy write up. And then next thing you know, the Suns blow the lead and it's all over. So, yeah. uh, but truthfully, about five minutes left in the game, I, I knew this game was over. I mean, the way that the Suns had the ability to sustain their attack uh, on offense and defense was elite today, especially considering the competition. I mean, the 76ers, they're not a pushover team, they're a solid starting five. Their depth is probably about seven deep, I would say, of quality players. You know, you can hide Seth Curry on defense if you're them because the other four guys are pretty gosh darn good uh, defenders. So you really think thought that coming into this game, it'd be kind of a little bit of a struggle. But by the you know third into the fourth quarter, it looked like the Suns had just kind of figured the Sixers out. Yeah, they did. And the good thing was when this game starts, like we have everyone back in this game. So... The, the, the 76ers are defensive heavy. They they make sure that they have enough players on their team that they can guard anybody. But when the Suns are at full strength, which was the second time this year where we had a full roster, it's almost like unguardable. You have to continue to rotate, find the man, because a lot of our guys can shoot the three, cut, dish it off. I mean, the rotating of the ball was endless. So I don't know how good you have to be on D to make sure that you can stop that. But it's, it's almost impossible in a way, right, John? Because I think that a team like the Sixers, I don't think it can get any harder on defense to play against that team than any other team in the NBA, maybe the Lakers, but to actually pull away and have your bench come in at the end of the game to finish it off within the last couple of minutes, which was kind of weird. You know, you're up by 12 and it's only a minute and a half left. And you have your bench come in. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to know that you can control this game. Like EJ said, and for Chris Paul to really control this offense in Devin Booker, it just it seems easier now. I mean, there's still a lot of fight in the Suns, but it just seems a little bit easier for them, not as much as a, of a panic lately. 
Well, and that's because this team has begun to gel as a unit. I think a lot of the problems that they had earlier in the season and in the way that they blew leads was, as we have noted multiple times on previous podcasts, the team fell in love with the three ball. They would uh, dribble the ball, try a couple sets late in the shot clock. If they didn't work, they'd find the wide open three pointer and they'd shoot it. And, you know, sometimes they make them, sometimes they didn't. And when they made them, they won. And when they didn't make them, they they lost. Yeah. It was that simple. But what's happened is this team has learned offensively, one, to start some of their sets a little bit earlier and give themselves more options. I feel like we're no longer watching Chris Paul dribble the ball with, until eight seconds is left. And then, you know, it's a high screen roll that didn't work. Dish to Crowder in the corner, wide open three, miss. Yeah. I feel like they're starting the offensive with about, you know, 15 to 12 seconds left. And, and, if that initial uh, push that they're doing doesn't necessarily work, they've got a couple things off of that. And you're, and you're seeing that because it's instinctive. It's that knowing where the other guy is going to be uh, and, and executing from there. And another thing that you mentioned is the fact that coming into this game, this is the first time since January 4th, the one time, the one other time this year that the Suns were fully healthy. And because of that, you have options. And the nice thing is they're, they, all of our options are quality options. Everybody who can play is, is is a professional player, can score at will, can play some defense, can do a lot of those intangible things, and they're not necessarily in development mode. So when you're going against yeah. a team like the Philadelphia 76ers, who is going to, to they're going to pressure you. They're going to, you know, they're not necessarily a, an elite three-pointing sh- shooting team. They're going to try to get the ball in the paint to Embiid uh, and to Ben Simmons. And all you have to really hope is that Tobias Harris doesn't go off and you can contain Seth Curry and Danny Green. That's what the Suns did in this game, and ultimately they won. Uh, but when when you look at everyone being healthy, how hard does that make the rotations for Monty Williams now? I mean, that's that's going to be tough for him moving forward, and I was, I was very pleased with the way he manages rotations in this game. Yeah, the perfect way to start it out is you keep Frank Kaminsky in the starting lineup because you know that you have Saric and Crowder coming off the bench, Cam Johnson too as well. So, I mean, we kind of saw today where you you know, I don't, Frank will not probably be starting next game, I don't think. I mean, he filled his role perfectly while these guys were out. I don't think he would, you would throw him back in the starting lineup, but it's a good problem to have for um, Monty Williams because now you have these guys that are fighting over minutes, but the one thing that's crucial for this team is there's no fighting over minutes between these guys on the bench. They play their roles perfectly to where they're not going to put up, you know, such a mess, like leak it to the press or something like, I want more minutes, you know, something like that. I want out of here because that's not what the way this team is. So it's like the next man up. But then when you have all the men there on the bench, you know, they're not going to fight over it with each other. So I love that the most. And plus, like when you have Cameron Payne come back into the lineup um, to be our backup point guard, I love it that like he had like two bad plays today, but he is a guy that will continue to fight on the defensive end. Him and Etwan Moore playing together, they they feed off the thing that you notice because Etwan Moore didn't get a lot of minutes when Cameron Payne was doing such a great job. Um, you notice that they didn't play well with each other because they didn't play with each other at all. So now you're seeing that, and the, it's kind of like the Devon Carter and Etwan Moore switching roles a little bit to play along pain. And I love seeing that he, even though a few bad plays, he picks himself up, plays well on defense, but you can see that he's going to be back in the groove too, just like Sarich. So it's like, I don't know if Sarich is going to start, but he's definitely going to get huge minutes like he did before. And Crowder is probably the guy I think that you're going to sneak in there in the starting lineup for Frank. Well, and you know, you, you mentioned it, Frank filled his role appropriately. And 
And truthfully, I wouldn't be surprised if he does stay in the starting lineup. He doesn't necessarily need to get 35 minutes a game. He can start the games and then let those other guys come in and okay. and get and, and this is, you know, again, this is a beautiful problem to have that Monty has right now. Is he's got so many options now. He can sit and mix and match the lineups. And I thought that that's something that he did very well and very creatively today. He was kind of at one point in the first half, he when when Booker was out on the court, he had campaign on him. And then he subbed in CP3 and Etwan Moore. So that was kind of like Etwan Moore was the backup too. And, and it was just a very interesting way for him to approach. And what it did is it kept sustained playmaking and offense on the on the court. And it's just going to be interesting to see how he, he yeah. operates that and navigates that moving forward. Again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kaminsky get those starting minutes at the four just to kind of see, you know, because what Kaminsky does well, and one thing that he's done in his five starts now is he can assist – uh, other players, Frank, com, com, what did somebody say earlier? Assistski. Yeah, it's too hard to say. I guess. <laughs> Frank Assistski. Yeah. You know, but Perfect. I mean, he, yeah. he, but he does. He dishes the ball. He finds open teammates. He does a little bit of those intangible things that lead to a good starting uh, scoring barrage. And then from there, you bring in uh, uh, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, you know, matchup based, you know, so it'll be really interesting yeah. to see how he does that moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice, but just for predictions, I really think that Frank did solid, but I think that it's just not sustainable, really. And I think Solar Panel really hit on it this morning. That's what I was talking about. Just keep Frank in the starting lineup, but it's no knock on him if he comes out of the starting lineup because we have such great players to back him up. It's just it's just a matter of time, and it's not like Frank's going to be pissed about it, right? I mean, he did his job, and he's he's more, more proud than anybody else at what he did on the court, so... I don't know. It's it's great to have this. Four big guys are just fighting over minutes, and they can all play together well when Aiton's out of the game to get those rebounds, and they did very well against Embiid tonight on the defensive end. Well, and everybody, you know, there's room for everybody to eat at the dinner table with this team, and that's the beauty of yep. it. Yeah, I mean, you look at the what, what won this game for the Suns, plain and simple, the bench. 49 points for them, only 20 points for the Philadelphia 76ers. You look at the offensive starters for the Sixers, and everybody scored in double figures, but the bench was non-existent. You know, the, the Suns, conversely, have a bunch of different players who contribute in multiple ways. You have uh, Dario Sarge, who we'll get to here in a minute, had 15. Crowder had 8. Uh, Etwan Moore had 11. Cam Johnson had 9. I mean, even Nader got two in there at the end. You know, I mean, uh, Campaign had four in his return. So, I mean... Mm. Yeah. It's it's something that I've always talked about. What makes a successful basketball team? It's it's a constant barrage of of the ability to score points, and you need to have a second team unit that can do that. And for so many years in Phoenix, we just haven't had that. It's been Devin Booker and a lot of guys on offense, kind of watching him. And then when he would sit down, nobody could effectively score the ball and and conduct an offense. And there's so many diff, little different X factors to this team, but the primary one is the bench is consistent enough to where when you play teams like this, we, we can beat them because we just don't stop coming at you. And I know if you're a Sixers fan and you're watching this game, it's like you probably felt like it's like it just doesn't stop. Like we put a little run on Phoenix and whoever's in the game, they could come right back at us. Yeah, the defensive way they played against Embiid was just basically – you know, it, they weren't causing any fouls, really. Like, they were keeping their hands up, but they knew where to be in the right positions, how to switch, how to get up on them, and kind of sweat the ball away. And Saric, he had really big steals today, too. Like, clogging those lanes, like, making it seem like he's going one way, but then he tricks you and takes the ball away when you're trying to make a pass down into the post. That's something that I don't really remember seeing too much of Saric, 
but it looks like even maybe with his haircut, he looks like he he's in really good shape, even better than when he was playing this in the beginning of the season. And I think he just knows like the Suns fan base miss him so much. And he made the biggest difference him coming back on the court to where before it, the question was always like these offensive boards were given up or else, you know, we can't clog the lane. There's too many layups given up. Sarich is back. I don't think we're really asking those questions right now. Right. I know it's a little early because his first game back, but you would think about it against, especially the 76ers where, um, where Ben Simmons is a guy who can't shoot the jump shot, but can take it to the lane. Didn't really do it too much today. And a lot of these guys can get to the rim. It's not really a question today. I feel like after this game, well, and maybe it's time to talk about Dario Saric. Uh, kudos to him. Welcome back, Dario. Nice yes, haircut. He's got the back. clean shave. Uh, mm-hmm. Matthew Matthew Lissy's brother. You know, he's, he was looking great yep. out there. Um, how much of that do you think was caused because he used to be a member of the 76ers and he kind of has an understanding of how uh, Joel Embiid plays and how Ben Simmons plays, and he spent years going up against those guys in practice. I mean, he had the active hands. You were right. He was yeah. jumping passing lanes. Every time there was a pick and roll – he was kind of he had his eye down in the in the corner of his eye and he swapped the ball out. I mean, how many steals did he end up with today? Let's see here. Good old Dario right. Saric, four steals. Four I mean, steals, yeah. and so how much of that do you feel is a byproduct of him playing his old team? Oh, I think it has a lot to do with it. Even though it's a few years re- removed, it's just like it's the same squad. Well, with your two all stars on the team, it has to be the same kind of offense too as well. New coach though, I mean, you have to get used to that because he wasn't there of course when doc was there this is the first year doc's been the coach for the 76ers so whatever i just said didn't make any sense but i think it's a big thing for these guys to go up against a team that they used to play for of course but i think it's just sarich's game really i mean you're gonna see this effort every game whether or not he knows the offense or not he's playing against i just think that he's gonna have almost the same ending results plus he's a guy too the new way the Suns are playing right now is not take the bad three, but I feel like Sarge is the only guy on the team that's like still going to take those bad threes. <laughs> no, but he you know can't what I mean? help he's it. Still gonna, he can't. He's still that guy, and when he comes back to this team, knowing like we're not shooting as many threes, and we're actually just like focusing on other things that we're really good at on offense, he's still going to jack those up. So that's funny to see, especially when we're winning. It's okay to watch, right? absolutely yeah i mean take a couple of those bad threes if you want to Dario. i'm okay with it you know but yeah. you know if, if you look at the rest of his game today i mean he was just you know as, as uh who just said that in the chat you know he, he's a godsend today i mean he really came in and provided you know those things that we forgot that he did you know <laughs> one i mean the, the, this team has won five in a row they've won eight out of their last nine sons fans eight out of their last nine like Get up. Let's go, Suns, baby. You know, stand but up. It, yeah, stand up. Stand okay. up, Suns fans. And be, and be proud <laughs> of this team right now. In the, in the camera, so. And all this was without Dario. And, and as we prepared yeah. for this season, as we were looking at the lineups and we were saying what were going to be the keys to a successful Suns team this year, Dario Sarge was a big part of that conversation. His ability to hustle, his heart, his, his the, the fact that he decided to come back to Phoenix knowing that his six-man role was what he would have to embrace. Where when he came here a season ago, he wanted to be a starter. And it just wasn't necessarily working out for him. And once we put him at the sixth man in the Orlando bubble, everything fell into line for the Suns. So, uh, you know, you, I, Suns fans, uh, Planet Orange, everybody was excited that he was embracing that six-man role. And up to this point in the season, he'd only play seven games due to COVID, due to injuries, due to a bunch of, you know, unfortunate events for him. So, 
I remember I was actually watching our last podcast, and you know, some people were saying in the chat, <laughs> based on the on how Frank Kaminsky's been playing, they're like, "Oh, it's time to trade Dario." It's like, "Well, hold on, we're going to need this guy," and he proved <laughs> yeah. it today with you know he, that big butt, big butt Sarch, just throwing that thing around, moving and beat yeah. off his spot, uh, off his spots, grabbing some yeah. rebounds, stealing the ball, running some point Dario. I mean, his versatility isn't it, n- none of his athletic skills are elite. I think we all know that, but his versatility is going to be nothing but positive for the team moving forward yeah i mean and he wanted to be a starter maybe because he thinks he can be a starter but also he wants to get paid he has his three-year contract but he he knows that now i feel like other teams can see how valuable he is so when it comes to where he gets another contract from another team or the suns resign him he's gonna get more money because he's very valuable when he was out like you said he only played seven games we just knew how much we missed him and there mm-hmm. are a few people that are like we should trade Sarge and stuff but then yeah if you're telling us to trade him for something better then that's even a better compliment for Sarge and how well he's played with the Suns offense. But we do need him. We need all these guys. And Monty has all of them now on the bench, like having to figure that stuff out. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be fun because just every, every player on this team, like when they're out there, it's just so weird to watch because I know I don't want to talk about it too much, but just in the past, a lot of guys' faces are like, I don't know what to do next. After I mess up, after I make a terrible play, like it's hard for those. They de- they defeat themselves. They used to. Now you don't see that. Now each play, they are just going out there fighting, dude. It's fun to watch. I love it. It really is. I mean, th- this is what you want from a basketball team is you want consistency. You want winning. It's been so long yeah. since this happened to this franchise. And again, to play the Bucks and the 76ers on back-to-back games and to walk away with, with two victories. I mean, we're putting the league on notice right now, you know, and, yes. and there, there will be games we will lose. I mean, we'll talk a little bit later about the Orlando game tomorrow. That's one of those kind of letdown games. You really hope that the Suns stay focused and win, but those games do occur. And you know what? That's, that's the peaks and valleys of a season, you know, and every time you hit a peak, you got to appreciate the fact that you're on top of that mountain. Take a look around, take a big, you know, f- fresh, fresh, uh, breath of fresh air, drink mm-hmm. a beer, <laughs> drink a beer <laughs> and, and, know, and know that the valley might be laying ahead you know and when you're in those yeah. valleys know that it's not permanent you know although for the suns team it's been a 10-year valley you know peaks are on the way and and watching this team play the way that they are right now is just it truly is a pleasure to watch uh, a couple other things that i was i was looking at is chris paul i mean i got to talk about chris paul i, I probably don't yeah. give him enough you know, time on this show uh, for what he brings to this team. There was a moment in the game that I really, I, I saw the Chris Paul leadership and this is what you were just talking about. You know, in the past, the Suns could find themselves if, if they, uh, the team put a run on them, they'd start to hang their heads a little bit. They could get down a little bit and they would lose the game because of that. And there was a play where the, the refs were starting to get a little chippy. Okay. Essentially, Joel Embiid got called for a foul the the 76ers challenged it they didn't get the call it, he he fouled Dario Saric and then like right after that there was like four consecutive fouls on the Suns it's almost like they penalized the Suns uh for Philly not getting their challenge right i don't know what it is i i always get you know <laughs> weird about the refs and how they approach games and what the human factor is behind that it's really annoying but as part of one of those plays uh Booker went and he was trying to fight through a screen uh from Joel Embiid on it, and he was trying to guard Seth Curry. And in the process, he knocked both of them down. I mean, because, you know, big old Devin Booker, all 755 pounds of him can go right through Seth Curry and Joel Embiid. 
And he looked at both of them on the ground. He started to chirp a little bit. And he looked up at the ref and he started to chirp. And right there, Chris Paul got in between him and the ref and just walked him over to the sideline. In the past, that was a technical. In the past, that's where the the run for the other team would have started, and the ten point lead, you know, quickly became a three point lead because Booker's head was out of the game, and he had CP3 right there to look him in the eyes and say, "Go in the corner, man, shut up." And it was, yeah. you know, these are the little things that add up to victories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that helps Booker calm down. It really does because he he gets into a zone where he wants to prove like, you know, he's the best player on the court still. And even if they're winning or losing, no matter what, there's this certain type of games where he'll have against these players, especially the Sixers to where he can go off and he wants to end it with a technical or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. he, he has Chris Paul to calm him down, but also I love when this team jumps out to like 11 point lead in the fourth and everyone's, you know, they're excited, pumped up the 1500 fans in the, in the, in the, in the stands are just, you know, stand up cheering. You still have Chris Paul there. Who's, you know, calming people down, still coaching Sarge and Crowder. I love it when they're all talking mid court after a timeout's called, it's like, no, we're not going to go back and high five, you know, and, you know, just act like this game's over. That's not the way they play now because of Chris Paul, Chris Paul can calm them down and be like, you know what? There's going to be adjustments made coming out of this timeout. We have to be prepared. There's certain things I saw in the last play. You could have done better having him to show that his teammates, you know what they can improve on even when the suns are up and maybe the game is already over that's just that's big that's going to be huge in the playoffs it's going to be huge for any kind of big game going down towards the end of the regular season to where these games are going to really 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 crucial and it's like we play the bucks we play the sixers it's like two games you know i don't know if the suns can win but then after watching these two games it's like who can we lose to really besides maybe the lakers i i just i love having chris paul on the team for that reason because he is just the guy that everyone can go to and then he goes to them to settle everyone down and it's perfect to have on this team yeah i mean just the the definition of a leader it's the intangibles you know it's one thing to be a leader by example it's another one to have all those little intangibles that just uh make us a team that is complete now and you know and and yeah. no discredit to ricky rubio because what he did for this team last season, we wouldn't have Chris Paul here if it wasn't for Ricky Rubio. But Ricky wasn't necessarily a vocal leader. And mm-hmm. the way that Chris Paul is, I mean, there's a couple plays with DeAndre Ayton where he threw him the ball and you can hear him on the court. He's like, go at him. And yeah, I mean, you can I, hear him. You can, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, hear yeah, exactly. him. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Too. So uh, how did you feel and what were your thoughts on watching uh, Devin Booker be guarded by you know, Ben Simmons, and then you had Chris Paul being guarded by Danny Green. I think, you know, from a uh, first team standpoint, I think it was a very good strategy that the Sixers put on to say to do those two matchups. What were your thoughts on that? Because uh, Ben Simmons lost that one. He did. And it's very scary because you have Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons who are going to be towards the top five and defensive player of the year award. Like they're going to be up. Yeah because of this team and the way they play. But then we also have Booker, who's getting double teamed by Embiid and Simmons twice in this game. He breaks out of that easily, just goes around them, finds a nice dish on the first one, second one, he gets to the rim. I just, I don't know. I, Booker is, now he's becoming that player where he is just unguardable in a way. It is scary to know that Ben Simmons is going to go against Booker. But to me, I've just, I've kind of moved off that place to where I used to think like, can Booker handle this game? Can he handle these matchups? Like when I used to talk about Bradley Beal and Booker going head to head, I always knew Beal was going to win that matchup because mentally I feel like Beal just had that little notch over him. But now I think now that you have Chris Paul maybe to help calm down Booker, it just keeps him in his game. And I don't think anything phases him, dude. I mean, were you freaked out by what the matchups were heading into this game? 
Oh, you're on mute. That's my bad. Taking a swig. (laughs) I don't want to hear you. I don't want you to hear me gulping. (laughs) Cheers, Jesus. (laughs) But uh, no, I wasn't necessarily scared. I thought it was in the first quarter. It seemed like it would be a matchup problem. I mean, the 76ers are long. Ben Simmons is tough. And I don't know if you watched them play Portland on Thursday night where Carmelo Anthony dropped 17 in the fourth quarter and ended up beating the 76ers. But when you saw like Dame Lillard get guarded by uh, Ben Simmons, it's menacing. I mean, that guy's 6'11 on him. And the the thing that plays well in Booker's, uh, the, the thing that he has in his basketball toolkit, if you will, is he's quick. And when Ben Simmons comes up and tries to square him up, I mean, he can get by him. And I think that that's something that proved, uh, once he realized that he could do that kind of at will in this game, it really started to change the game. And then you throw a screen in there, and then he really started to cook. You know, he had 16 of his 36 points in that third quarter, and it was a lot of it was, you know, those high screens and just taking off, not letting Ben Simmons hang on his hip, getting by him and kind of doing what he wanted. Then he starts hitting those threes, and it's just like it's a different game. I mean, Devin Booker is he's coming into form now. You know, for the beginning of the season, he was averaging about 22 points a game. Everybody's asking, what's wrong with Booker? Uh, You know, is this the, the Kardashian curse, even though it's a Jenner and all that fun stuff? Ever since his injury (laughs) and he came back and, you know, that's seven games he's been back now, he's averaging 28.9 points a game. So Devin Booker's doing just fine. I mean, and and the nice thing is, as per usual, Booker, it's a pretty efficient seven, uh, you know, 29 point or 28.9 points a game. You know, in this game, he had kind of a rough first half. He was six for 11, but he ended 14 for 23. You know, that's what you want. 23 points, 30 or 23 shots. 36 points. You like that ratio. You like the three for five from downtown. You like the five from six from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. All of those things combined equals a great performance on one of the best defenders in the NBA. Yeah, he's slowing down. One thing I might think of why it's different for Ben Simmons to go up against Booker and why Ben Simmons might have a harder time. Maybe because you said he is getting into his flow in the season, but also he's just still improving as a player too as well. I think when you go against a Damian Lillard, you already know what to expect. Exactly everything he's going to do on the court. Booker continues to like improve. And I think there's just things out there that defenses don't know that he can do. And that quick first step tonight, especially out of the double team, that was something that you know we don't see too much. We don't see a lot of it. I think a lot of players and a lot of defenses think that if you get him in a double team, he's just going to stop the dribble and then try to throw out of it. He didn't do that. He just went around them. And it's something that I feel like I really haven't seen this season or before in Booker's career. So he keeps him guessing basically on defense, I think. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like you said, in, in the past he used to get trapped and he would make a bad play but he sees those double teams coming now because he gets them all the time now and he's really learning how to navigate them once he sees that second defender come he knows hey i'm gonna just turn on the jets and get out of here or i'm gonna make the correct pass and and do that as well Mm -hmm. uh you know kudos to the sun's shooting tonight 60.8 percent from the field man 60.8 after they went over 50 against the milwaukee bucks now granted they gave up 42 percent from the field to the uh to the 76ers but you look at it, 48 made shots, uh, 25 assists. They had 56 points in the paint. So thank you, Dario Sarge, for that. Um, yeah. Just, just an overall, a, a fantastic game for this for this team against a really, you know, a mile marker type of team. I mean, these are the teams mm-hmm. that will get you the attention because these are the East Coast teams. These are where the media centers are. And after, 
you know, beating the Milwaukee Bucks, which obviously isn't a media center, but is a notable team. When you go and you beat Philly like this, and it's pretty handle, you know, you do it pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, a lot of people who weren't really caring about the Suns are probably going to start caring about the Suns. But with yeah. great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And what I love is the Suns. They only they only shot what twenty five threes tonight. Which yes. is perfect because it's like, you know, you have to listen to Eddie Johnson. It's like listening to your mom, basically. You know, you never listen to your mom your whole life, but then she always ends up right about everything. EJ, kind of the same way, right? I mean, just shooting the two. But it's not just that. It's just like him believing and us believing as Suns fans that these players can do other things that are, are in their tool chest other than just other oh, tool chest. I don't know why I said that. That's good. It's tool, their, tool chest. There, tool, whatever gotta, they got, their tool belt. <laughs> tool belt. Tim yeah. the Tool Man Taylor. We're a bunch of tools. I get you. <laughs> Yeah, Urk? I just <laughs> shooting the three like you just you can't pigeonhole yourself that way as a Suns fan, dude. You just I mean as a Suns player because these guys are just dominant in other ways of the game and they have to learn too. Learn right now how to get these get work on your dribble drives, work on your pump fakes, all that stuff to get into the paint. Mikel Bridges just blows me away on these little fadeaway jumpers in the paint. They are just beautiful, dude. Yes. If I can see five or six of those a game, I would be very happy, very very happy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And again, it's it's all those little things that are equating to success. I mean, you you look at Mikhail Bridges, and he only had the four points in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't necessarily a factor, but that's because he's you know he's taking on Ben Simmons on the other side, and he's trying to keep up with him. Tobias so Harris too. Tobias Harris too. I mean, these yeah. guys who are long. So you know, when you look at that box score and you see that he didn't necessarily have the greatest of games, you have to kind of give credit where credit's due. You know, you also had Joel Joel Embiid. I mean, this guy. Uh, MVP candidate, 12 for 23 from the field, 9 for 10 from the free throw line, 35 total points. Uh, and the guy who gets him, you know, is DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, when when you stop and you take a look at... Ayton Watch 2021. And you look at his overall stat line for the game, you, you can't sit there and be overly critical knowing that he's playing an MVP. You know, he ended with 11 points and six rebounds, only three fouls, uh, only six total shots taken. Uh, but he was trying his best to defend uh, Joel Embiid. And I, somebody put it on Twitter, and I thought it was a very valid point. If DeAndre Ayton is afraid of his mid-range shot and taking it, look at Joel Embiid and look at how effective it's made, made him. I'm okay with DA taking mid-range shots. I always have been because I want him to be more like Embiid. What did you think about that matchup this evening or this afternoon? Um, I like the Sarich and Crowder matchup over it more than anything. I mean, a lot of it was going into this game. I love the mirrored minutes that, that DeAndre Ayton's been getting against these superstar centers. Today, though, I was like, could Saris just finish the game with six minutes to go? Like, would he even want to rest? I know it's his first game back in a long time, but what I'm seeing out of Saric is stuff you expect from DA. Um, the thing is, like, I see this team play, and I think they know that they're that good. They know that they are that good, and they can t- take on any team. The only guy is DeAndre Ayton. It's, does he believe in himself that he's that good? Like, you're talking about the jump shot. If you you can knock down the shot, shoot it. Shoot the jump shot. Like, evolve your game into the player that you want to be others will follow of course and then it, it shouldn't take you to have to watch Joel Embiid make that jump shot to know that you can make it too as well um I just Aiden tonight was okay I mean I just the defense itself wasn't even that great there was one time when Ben Simmons even though Ben Simmons is like seven foot tall <laughs> on that fast break he basically just moved DA out of the way yeah and he didn't have any any fouls tonight really to even worry about so I just the physicality there's only one play where DA faced up in bead basically not making out with him but 
they, they were breathing on each other and he can do that. I wanted DA to be up in his girl because he is quick. He can move laterally. He can stay in front of these guys. Yes. Embiid can draw the foul and just like the rest of them. But I just think Aiden just needs to believe in himself more because I didn't like tonight's game by him at all. I know we can talk about his defense, but a lot of it, I think the second team unit was doing a better job on Embiid tonight than Aiden ever did. Yeah. I like not Chris- think, I'm, not, I'm just saying that's the only thing I'm- I saw from him. I'm with you. You know, it was one of those games where he kind of disappeared for a while and you hope for it. And he could in this game, essentially, because he was playing against Embiid and because the rest of the offense was humming the way that they were. Uh, as Chris J says in the chat, Aiton drops his hands all the time. And I, I, I have to agree with that. You know, that's kind of one of his, uh, his downfalls, obviously, is he just, he can't keep that ball up high. And especially when you're going against, no. Pesky defenders in the NBA, they're going to knock it out. And we have the long defenders that the 76ers have. Much of the same is going to occur as well. So, uh, you know, again, not the greatest game from DeAndre Ayton, but we will always talk about him here on the Suns Jam Session podcast because he is a polarizing topic for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, this oh, is really rem- quick. Are we, if we're moving on, sorry. Can I just so, say one more thing about Ayton? Do it. So, okay. Just what it, he reminds me of. Is basically, you know, you know, Eric, seven, my seventeen-year-old, seven-year-old nephew, basically who screams every minute. But you tell him to be quiet, he'll scream again the next minute, like he forgets because it doesn't matter to him. The way that's how Da reminds me of when you're trying to tell him to keep his hands up to do these things. It's like you practice this right, you did it this game right, just the same way. But then we have to still remind you to do these things, not to mess up, to catch the ball, keep it up high. It's just like he forgets, kind of like a seven-year-old, like to tell when you tell your seven-year-old nephew, like, hey. Not shut up, but hey, be quiet. Don't scream like that in my ear, please. But then he does it the next minute. He's forgetting already. That's the way DA kind of reminds me of. I, I don't know. I just thought about that today. I just want to throw that out there. It's yeah, probably it's an, totally wrong. But. Yeah, it's an interesting. No, no, but I mean, that's why Chris Paul's yelling at him. You know, when yeah. he throws him the ball, he's like, take it. I mean, what about that one play? I mean, it's, it's at the end of the game, but uh, Dem Booker throws it to the ball or throws the ball to him. He's wide open underneath the basket. Like, just take it up and dunk, big man. Like, oh don't pass it up to Crowder and, and, and extend the possession. I mean, two points is two points and close the game by throwing up a ferocious dunk. And he just kind of is just like, he needs to be reminded. It's like, it's it's like DA kind of sometimes needs to be reminded of the fact that he's like seven feet tall and is just, you know, a brick shit house. Like from time to time, he probably needs to be reminded of that. He does. And it has to be constant. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, again, this is a reminder to all the Jamsters who are joining us. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button if you're watching this live. Share with your friends. Invite some new Suns fans. Uh, It's always great to see some of our loyal listeners back watching us. Uh, You know, if you're listening on the podcast network, subscribe, rate and review. Hit that subscribe button. Do all that fun stuff. We appreciate it. Um, Shout out to all the people who are in the chat with us right now. Uh, Coda Kid. I want to give a shout out to Coda Kid. Uh, We've missed you the past couple pods, man. Where you been? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so <laughs> just throwing it out there. I know on our last podcast, some of the people were like, Hey, where's Coda been? I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, but people mm-hmm. join us from all over the planet right now. We got some Suns fans in Europe, our Australian Suns fans. We even have some in Phoenix. So, I mean, it's, it's really great to see this team play and perform this well for so many yeah. Suns fans through, uh, you know, all across the globe. So, uh, again, thank you and make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Um, next up, we're going to go into our jam session predicts segment. Uh, as we talked about this game and, and what we do at the end of every podcast is we start to 
try to predict the next game. Well, here were our predictions for this game. Who would have more assists in this game? Would it be CP3 or would it be Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons only had four assists in this game, and Chris Paul had 10. So uh, did we both say Ben Simmons on that one? Well, let's or, just say we know. both said CP. I think we were both very I think we both said C- I, Yeah, I think we both said CP3 we'll CP on this three. one. Yeah. Um, and then we said technical fouls over under uh, 0.5. Uh, I think we both said over. And, and when Booker almost got that technical foul, I was like, oh, but, we would have won nothing too. Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we asked the question, who is going to win the game? You and I both said the f- Oh, no, we didn't, did we? I said we the did, Sixers. The Suns. Did no, you? No, I'm pretty sure I said the Sixers. No, no, I oh said the Suns. I said the Suns. I was thinking it would, about yeah, it. Yeah, we both said the Suns. I, I was like, yeah. I swear we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm six and four on the season. You're nice. seven and three currently. So very cool. Um, again, you know, I, the, the, the place that I said that the Suns would lose was when I wrote my bright side article about the team. I said the Suns would lose by like three points. So oh, okay. uh, glad to be wrong there. Glad to be <laughs> wrong. And thank you to the Jamsters. They're like, hey, you know, yeah, David, he both, he's like, you both said sons. Come on. Yeah, you they know? remember. What, yeah, they, they know us, more about us than we know about ourselves. You know, they, 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 <laughs> they, they keep us accountable, which is appreciated. So we look what's next. And tomorrow on Valentine's Day, we are going to have a magical evening as we play the Orlando Magic. Matthew, what are your thoughts on this team as the Suns prepare to play them on the most uh, corporate and stupid holiday of the year? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, poor Orlando. I was so excited this year when they started out. Markel Fultz was back. He was basically going to be a most improved player of the year. It didn't work out that way. It's sad to watch this. Jonathan Isaac, another player that I love, is just he's done for. So, I mean, what should be an easy win for the Suns? It should be. By halftime, maybe get this over with or midway through the third. Hopefully, we see the Suns just take care of business. I think they will. I think they really know. I don't know if I can say that because I've said this before. They've learned from the past, but it might be a loss. If it's a loss, then that's the way it is. If it's a win, they should win it ugly like they did against the Pistons, where the Pistons just basically missed every shot. So that's what I'm looking forward to in this game, basically just handling business against this team. I just I feel bad for the Magic, because in a year with almost every NBA team, fun to watch, they were one of those teams, and now it's just kind of ended short. So, I mean, what do you think, John? How What are you thinking about going to this game, man? I mean, it's, it's a team that's riddled with injuries. Riddled with injuries. You look yeah. at their injury report, uh, Frank Mason is out with a groin injury. Jonathan Isaac is still recovering from uh, his ACL tear in the bubble last year. Aaron Gordon's out with an ankle issue. Markel Foles, mm-hmm. like you said, is out for the season with a knee issue. Uh, Evan Fournier uh, is day-to-day with a back issue. James Ennis, Cole Anthony's day-to-day. They're rookie with a shoulder issue. Uh, El Farika Minu, I mean, he's, he's day-to-day. I mean, so, so many guys on this team are just – I mean, I don't know how they're they're putting a squad together. And you look, they actually won last night. They beat the Sacramento Kings 123 to 117. They're doing it uh, primarily by, you know, Nikola Vucevic, man. I mean, he is just, he's a beast. He had 42 points last night. He's somebody who is going to give eight and fits tomorrow because he's very similar to Joel Embiid in the way he plays. He's He can hit you in the mid-range. He can hit the three. He'll, he'll body you up down low, but... I think you know the Suns are a team, and the you know the reason that the Orlando Magic, who are ten and seventeen on the season, which by the way is my birthday, they're ten seventeen October seventeenth. Uh, 
but they've lost the majority of those games as of recently. Um, but when you look at a team like that, it if one guy can beat you, you you try to you can let that guy play and cook. Just guard the other guys. And the Suns are the exact opposite. They're completely healthy. Everybody's back right now, and they're playing like a well-oiled machine. So it's going to be a, a, hopefully a dominating victory for the Phoenix Suns. Hopefully, like you said, you know, by the middle of the fourth quarter, we can empty the bench um, and get some more of these guys, just some more, you know, assist in building their confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put them out there. I want to see sticks in this game. I really, really, really want to see it. Plus, the Suns have three game, three days off after, right? Their next game is not until Thursday. So get this win. You know, go relax. Just watch the rest of the NBA play. Just know that you're one of the top three teams in the in the West. Um, I don't care about Utah. And, you know, <laughs> just hang out, you know? Just have a <laughs> – just enjoy yourselves, guys. Just enjoy yourself, fellas. Uh, fellas which team is going to use more players? Which team's going to use more players? Mm-hmm. Like on oh, Suns for sure. Are you just talking yeah. about this game? Yeah. yeah, Suns. Yeah, at least twelve. That's a dumb question, but I put it out there. Who's going to have Good more question. points, Aiden or Vucevic? <laughs> Vucevic for sure. I mean, you just yeah, you're just talking about how basically he's the only one that can do much to help them improve and help them win. So I'm going to count on him to score, of course, more than Aiden. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you? that as well. I think okay. I agree with that as well. I mean, he is their offense right now. You know, yeah. outside of Dwayne Bacon, uh, who's cooking, <laughs> um, who is also a player I actually really like. Uh, who wins, Suns or Magic? I think we're both taking Suns on this one. Yeah, definitely. And the Suns do play Tuesday against the Nets. Oh, my bad. Yes, yes that's oh, what and then that... Okay, and then they're off two days. Okay, well, I don't know. My bad. Coda, Coda Kid, here's a question. Who's your Valentine? Oh, that would probably be my sister Shannon, right? <laughs> For me, it is not for you. Oh yeah, for you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, my Valentine's Day consists of just people in and out. My door is unlocked. People come in and out. Visitors, whatever happens, happens. Ladies of the night, the ca- I might keep the <laughs> ladies, whatever you are, just you know, keep the camera on. We'll see what goes on. Well, maybe it'll be some of the. Fellas! What up, fellas? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll t- I'll tell you who our Valentines are. They're the Phoenix Suns, because we're going to yes. be right back here tomorrow talking about it. You know, I, I, uh, one bit of advice: like if you are going out on Valentine's, uh, one, don't go out. There's no reason to stay at home. But get an AirPod, put it in your ear, get the iHeartRadio app, uh, and and just listen to the sweet, soothing sounds of Al McCoy saying "Wham, bam, slam" in your ear, and you'll be smiling ear to ear. And your Valentine will be sitting across the table from you, and she's and she'll just be amazed about how excited and, and in love you are. But she won't realize it's because Devin Booker's you know hitting threes and and DeAndre Ayton's owning you know uh, Vucevic. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> Shazam, yeah, Shazam. <laughs> hear a lot of that stuff. Stand up and just fist pump. God, Al McCoy's the best, dude. He I really mean, is my all time favorite son. He brings me back to my childhood like that just by hearing his voice. I love it. Yeah, he he really does. Um, what else do you want to talk about on the Sixers game, man? I mean, again, it's an impressive win for the Suns, a nine-point victory. Yeah. They own the second half. Uh, you know, is there anyone that you that we didn't mention who we should talk a little bit more about? Um, the only thing that I can really talk about is um Etwan Moore. Just really I mean, I mentioned a little bit about him, but EJ even said on the broadcast, he's like, I warned you guys, this guy's going to be very, very vital to the Suns and what they do as an offense. And he is that guy, 11 points, uh, zero assists, but he can just maneuver through that off through that defense. Like it, like butter. He is basically 
almost he's not going to take the job that um Payne has right now of course as our backup two but it's our backup one but he can play like the two with with him so i don't i don't know i just i really love what we're seeing from more so i just wanted to mention i'm like who's going to be like the next guy is that going to be sticks to come off the bench and be that guy to where it's like oh look at him now he's sprouting now he's the next guy off the bench that we didn't know we had him to like actually contribute but now he's going to be one of those players so I hope that happens. I hope Sticks can come in and eventually down the line just be that player to actually help the Suns improve, even though you know we have too many minutes to, to share. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. Well, and that's that is a problem. You know, it's it's a great problem to have, obviously, but navigating this lineup and getting everybody quality minutes is is going to be tough. You know, Sticks is something. Yeah. Sticks is the last guy on the on the off the bench. Uh, he's, he's lost on defense. Uh, I know that fanning the flames and us were tweeting back and forth about this the other day. And I do want to have, so says Jay on the pod to kind of talk about it, to have like kind of, you know, the great sticks debate because it's hard to develop him right now because every game has valuable possessions. If you had put him in for, you know, five, six possessions against Milwaukee, we could have lost the game. You know, we only won by one point. So, I mean, there's balance that needs to occur between trying to develop a guy who has an offensive skill set, but is really lost on defense. Doesn't understand switches. Doesn't likes to hang out yeah. by the three point line versus down in the paint, even though he's, you know, six foot 10 and, and, you know, has those broad shoulders. Uh, but back to Etwan Moore, you know, a guy who didn't play in this game is a guy that we absolutely love. And that's Langston Galloway. I mean, that's how deep this team is is we have all of these players who can contribute on both ends of the floor. You know, obviously Cameron Payne had an opportunity to come in and kind of get his feet back wet and make sure uh, everything was working. And he had a hard time, you know, with his first shot. And then all of a sudden, boom, the burst was back and and Cameron Payne was back. And it was just, it was really great to see. Oh my God, we didn't even do the jam star of the game. You know, I was going to tell you when we're doing the predicts, I'm like, maybe he's doing it after. But yeah, we got to do the jam star. I mean, I don't know who it is. but Ladies and gentlemen, I am a bad host. It is that time. Jam star of the game. So if you're watching along, please let us know who you think your jam star of the game is. Matthew, you tell me who your jam star of the game is. Is it Cameron no. Payne? Is it Dario Saric? <laughs> it has to be Booker, man. I mean, he just like, you know, Aiden owns the Nuggets. He owns the Sixers. Booker does. And he just he had one of those games where he ends up shooting from half court and it's just all good because everything else really flowed for him offensively. Um, I mean, he didn't really start off the game like trying to find his teammates as much. Like he barely had any assists in this game, only four, which is fine because I mean that was Chris Paul's job this game. I just love the way Book was getting to his shot today, dude. I'm gonna take him as jam star, but Saric is a close second because he shirt up a bunch of like kind of the questions we had going into this game about just, you know, the backup center, the backup four, who's going to help us clog the paint cam or not cam. Dario Sarge was that guy today, but it has to be Booker for me. Who do you got? Yeah. You look in the chat and people are agreeing with you. Uh, I always love all the different options there are. Uh, let's yeah. see. You have Fabio says it was Kendall Jenner. I mean, she might've been a motivating True. factor for Devin Booker to be like, you know what? I'm a, I'm going up against uh, her ex the day before Valentine's day. Chicks yeah. dig the three ball, so I'm going to show uh, the three ball. Uh, Laced, <laughs> Laced, Laced Bacon said Super Dario. Um, Lee Abraham says Book It. Jay Pizzle, uh, Booker ha- uh, has several teams that he owns. Uh, as David says, Booker but Sarch was incredibly valuable on D. Um, Coda Kid says it's Dario. I mean, it's really, you know, Buck Dog. Dario was until Embiid took his soul. 
Um, you know, York baller Booker is a sniper. So mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of going back and forth, you know, blaze Megatron give it to super Dario as well. I mean, you gave it to Booker, uh, rightfully so 36 points, five rebounds, four assists, five for six from the free throw line, three for five from downtown. But I will go ahead and say super Dario. Uh, it was great to see him back in the lineup. It was great to see what he can contribute to this team. It was fantastic to see him throw that big butt around and knock people off their spots mm. and, and show that hustle and, and get his hands up. I mean, I had, I literally wrote down when he first came back, when we finally got to see Dario Sarge enter the game, these were the next possessions. He had a pick and roll layup from Chris Paul. He had a well-played passing lane steal. He had a mid-range floater, which I know you love because you love the floater. He had active hands forcing a turnover on a pick and roll. And then they started running the fast break, resulting with an easy layup for Etwan Moore. I mean, those were his first possessions back. He didn't look rusty at all. It looked like he's been waiting and jonesing to be a part of this team, and he instantly contributed. And his 15 points off the bench led all bench scores uh, for the entire game. And it was just fantastic to see him come back and be as productive as as he was. Uh, you know, welcome back, Super Dario. Uh, what a game! What a game! So yeah. that's my jam star. His floater too um, is basically like when you're playing the Peter Piper basketball game where you're trying to shoot as many as you can. That's how his floater looks. It's like just a little rush floater, but it goes in. I don't know what the hell that is, but I love it. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, if he was to go to Peter Piper pizza, he'd be really good at that floater game. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd be just, there all day. He'd be there all day. He'd, be, he'd score 100 points or over 100 <laughs> points and set the record. Like I rumor has it you did not too long oh, ago. Every time I go to Peter Piper, I have to beat the high score. And I've only failed once. So wow. I've been to Peter Piper 122 times. <laughs> so 121 times <laughs> you set Chuck that e. final score. Yes. Wow, that's, that, <laughs> that, that, that's creepy. That's creepy. Um, <laughs> well, again, shout out to all the Jamsters who decided to join us on this beautiful Saturday afternoon following a great win by the Phoenix Suns. Remember, as always, to subscribe, to rate, review. The, the goal is to get to 1,000 YouTube subscribers someday. That'd just be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can't do it without you. So tell your friends, tell your friends, friends, tweet it, share it, whatever you got to do. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Darth Voida. You are at Matthew Lissy. And the show is at Suns Jam. Uh, always engaging there. And make sure if you want to give us a listen on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, please do so. We appreciate that as well. You can read our articles on the brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, go Suns! You know it's it's on to the next one. We got the Orlando Magic tomorrow, so that game uh, once it's done, you know Matthew and I will be right here breaking it down, talking about what we saw. Hopefully, it'll be another Suns victory, the sixth in a row. Uh, a, a great time right now to be a Suns fan. And here's the best thing: is this game is in the afternoon. You know, local time. It's four twenty six. I can actually yeah. continue with my day. It's not like eleven thirty at night. I can watch some ESPN highlights tonight. I can enjoy watching uh, ESPN try to break. You know. The nice thing about this is we're not going to have to sit there and watch them show a bunch of highlights of the Sixers and they go, oh, by the way, the Suns win. Like the Suns are winning at such a rate right now that they're going to show actually show the Suns highlights. It's not like when we play against, you know, uh, that team from Dallas or yeah. who was who was the other team we played the other night where we beat them and they just showed a bunch of their highlights. I don't remember. <sighs> Oh, it was uh, Pelicans. Oh, we lost that game. Yes, we did <laughs> yeah, lose that game. Mind. Yeah, that was yeah, nothing but Zion. who it was. God, that we was our last loss, anything. though. Yeah. Yeah, but it's fine, dude. And uh, honestly, yeah, the rest of the day, beautiful day out. It's a little chilly. I need to go get another coffee, you know? Yes. But, uh, dude, what a, what a game. This is – we are blessed. I know we've earned it. I mean, we sat through a lot with the Suns, but this is this is huge, man. I cannot wait for the tomorrow night's game. 
Amen. So that's all I got for this podcast. Uh, Again, thank you to all the Jamsters for joining us. Have a great night, and we will see you tomorrow. Yes, everyone go home and love your family. Amen. Take care, everybody.